um, beliefs, you know, whatever, scriptural studies. And that's what we're talking about, providing training also for evangelism, getting out and uh, talking to people about the Lord. And we talked about how training is necessary so that we can understand how to do it best, you know, how we can get the most bang for our buck, so to speak. Of course, God's word uh, is powerful all by itself, and the Holy Spirit is the one that does converting. But we want to make sure that we're doing our part, right? We want to make sure that we're providing God faithful service, you know, which is what our Christian service book is talking about. And also, it starts out when men of promise. What exactly does that mean, men? And of course, women of promise mean. Well, they be talking about the Christian men and women that have given their lives to God and promised to do his will? Yeah, it could be them. Anybody else thoughts on that? What does think, it mean, men and women of promise? I think it would be those that have shown themselves to be trustworthy, to be faithful, to be those who... Um, um, in in the work have 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 um exhibited um i guess an interest and and and, and forthrightness in in the ministry okay that's good both answers are very good anybody else thoughts on who are these men and women of promise and ability about you and I? <laughs> Do you think God sees promise and ability in each one of us? Yeah. Yeah, of course he does. He sees us as men and women of promise. And when we're converted, accept Christ as our Savior, and then do his will, says then uh, we're shown the necessity of laboring in the vineyard. So it's our duty as men and women of promise to accept Christ in our lives and then to go forth to let others know about Jesus Christ and him crucified. Uh, Karen, you had a comment? No, no. Okay. Says then when the apostles left for another place, the, the faith of these men did not fail, <clears throat> but rather increased because they had been faithfully instructed in the way of the Lord and had been taught how to labor unselfishly, earnestly, perseveringly for the salvation of their fellow men. Who was the disciples' teacher that taught them all that? Jesus. Yeah. They spent three and a half years with him being taught how to work for, how to labor for other people, how to truly become fishers of men. So sometimes we accept Christ and then we join a church. We think instantly we should be bringing in hundreds of converts, etc. But there's a little bit of training period where we learn about Christ ourselves. And then we have some experience with the church and we might see some, some other people, how their Bible studies work. We might join a revelation seminar. We might join a prayer meeting, all different types of ways to grow in the Lord. And a main, couple main things is unselfishly, earnestly and perseveringly for the salvation of their fellow men. The careful training of new converts was an important factor in the remarkable success that Paul and Barnabas had as they preached the gospel in heathen, in heathen lands. What do you think the reason for perseverance is for? We're doing Bible studies. We're telling about Christ. What do we need perseverance for? Because the enemy is going to come in all different kind of ways to discourage us and to break that up and to... Um, just stop it but bring a halt to go ahead Paula I'm sorry I was just disagreeing I said the enemy never sleeps okay what does that mean for us it means we have to persevere we have to always stand on guard be you know have on the full arm of God be consistent with our faith and you know, in constant prayer, because we're always under attack. Even when we think things are going well, we are always under attack. 
pretty sure we've uh, all been involved in Christian ministry. Have you ever needed some perseverance? Has you ever been through an experience that you had to have perseverance? Yeah, because the enemy, he wants to discourage you. And especially when you're, you know, in the Lord's service. And so he'll just, he'll just try to orchestrate things to, to discourage you or to get you to turn away from it. Yes. Yeah, there's been times where we've studied with people, you know, sometimes you study with people for a year or more. And you just keep wondering, when is this person going to accept God's truth as it's written in his Bible? And you do have to persevere. And then people come. You might have some people being negative about you and about the way that you're doing it, maybe even the way you're dressed or how you approach people. And it does take perseverance. Um, And God expects that from us, that we have that because we are going to need it. As was mentioned, the devil's always doing his part to discourage us, to make us feel depressed and make us feel like it's not working, make us think this person will never accept Christ, you know, all kind of stuff. And if we don't have that perseverance, we're just going to throw in the towel at the first time somebody says no. Imagine you give someone a Bible study and then you get to the part where you say, uh, would you like to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior? And they say, no, I'm good. And you're like, wait a minute, we just went through all these studies. We did all this prayer. We had prayer. We had study. We did. I answered all your questions. We went through some lessons. And now you're saying no? Hmm. What would you feel like doing? Well, you know, sometimes we have to remember that we may just be a part of that person's journey to Christ and not the whole journey. Mm, What do you mean by that? Because you may have the one that plants the seed, then another one has to come along and water it. You know, I mean, you may not be the one that that reaps the harvest. You may not be the person. We could be at the beginning of the process. Yeah, at the beginning of the of the season. You know, I remember one time my dad preached a sermon and uh, it was up in the, I think the Detroit area. He preached a sermon and um, it was about five or 10 years later. And this man, um, I don't know how, how he met up with my dad again and um, he said to him, he said to my dad, you don't remember me, do you? And of course, my dad didn't remember him because he ne- had never actually met the man. You know, he, the man had just been sitting there in the audience or whatever. And he said, the man told him, he said, you preached a sermon up in Detroit. And I was there that night. And you said uh, the sermon was about, you know, you must declare yourself, whether you be God's or whether you be Baal's, he said. And, and, and said, he said, uh, I didn't come to God that night, he said, but I never forgot that sermon. And he said, uh, you know, five or 10 years later, I gave my heart to the Lord because of that sermon. That's very interesting. So we never know when a person's going to accept Christ. Mm-hmm. And I like that uh, you pointed out we're part of their journey. We're not the whole journey that they might have to take. You never know what people have to go through. And, you know, the pastor spoke today about how you're going through this journey and um, you're thirsty for this, you're thirsty for that, you want everything to go your way. But God knows when the right time to give you that refreshing drink of water is because maybe we're just like, Andre, you said the first part of this person's journey. They might have a longer journey ahead of them, right? Right. So it takes perseverance for us not to give up. If we ha- if we're the first part of this person's journey, we might be the middle part, the last part of someone else's journey. We might just be, uh, you know how they say some friends you have for a season, some for a lifetime. We just might be with this person for 
one quick instant. Have you ever just met somebody like at work or on the bus or passing by and you said something spiritual to them and then that was all you said? You never know how in the future that's going to impact them. Right. So, yeah, it takes earnest desire and it takes that perseverance, as was mentioned. Otherwise, the first time somebody said no to you, you would give up. Paula, you're in sales, so I'm sure they give you guys some tips on how to handle when people say no to you. Yep, objections all the time. But unlike sales, I always, for some reason, compare evangelism with sales. It's like marketing, but with the Holy Spirit. And so you, you get an objection, but you're not objecting to me. It's not personal. It's just my job to plant the seed and show you Christ. I'm sharing Christ with you. What they do with that, you know, that's between them and God. Uh, but I have a similar testimony. Um, I've, I was assigned two young ladies to give Bible study to. Both uh, were baptized. One I, both were very resistant. One was 21, one was 25. I know even though I was brought up in church, I was over it at, at that age. The world was the smallest board, but for these young ladies to actually be interested and sign up for Bible study and even got baptized. Um, but one got baptized before she got Bible study. That's another story. And the other one got baptized after completing her Bible studies. Um, I had to pursue them both and be persistent, but in the Holy Spirit, because at work, there's a such thing as professional persistence so that you're not annoying or turn the person off. But when you're talking about affairs of the heart and the Holy Spirit, and it's not about us, I had to dig deep because I'm not a patient person. And I, I told them I'd be available to... With, to them on their schedule, which didn't coincide with mine because I was still working. I was on the road. I was traveling. I literally would find a place to pull over in a parking lot to have Bible study with these young ladies. And they not, you know, they not answer the phone or show up on Zoom or whatever. So at first I got angry because that's my nature. The Lord had to chastise me. I learned a valuable lesson. I learned patience and grace. And instead of responding with, you know, I put my, made it about, making it about me. I put my time aside, blah, blah, blah. I'm in a parking lot under a street light and all this kind of stuff with my Bible study because you said you wanted, you chose this time and date. I just asked him, is there a better time and date? One young lady has never responded, but I still sent her, text and whatnot, we miss you, or, or Bible verse and stuff, she has not blocked my number, and she responds. The other young lady, it, we, have we have gone through several Bible studies, and we are still, we still talk every Friday, so you never know. However, the Holy Spirit leads, I learn to relax. It's not about me. Let go of control. This is about them. You just make yourself available. Amen. Yeah, uh, perseverance definitely comes in handy because, as you just mentioned, our, our human nature want to take over and just chastise people, but you know, we just want to do our best to be a faithful witness for the Lord. And when we, uh, as church members, it's our duty to be out there talking about talking about Christ and all of his blessings and his love and his salvation. And everyone in the church, I had mentioned today that stewardship is an uh, every member evangelism. Every member evangelism. It shouldn't be one or two in the church trying to witness for Christ. It should be everyone that has called on the name of Christ for themselves. So it says we must all work and cultivate to the utmost the talents God has given us and constantly be training our minds to engage in the service of our master. If you um, notice, whenever we talk about stewardship, we talk about using our time, talent, temple, and treasure to glorify God. And that's what God expects for us to use to the utmost those talents. You know, now a lot of times we 
might just do the least that we can possibly do. Or we might say, well, I'm just too tired. You know, I don't want to do anything, you know, or maybe I'm just continually saying I don't have any talents to use for the Lord. That's not true. God has given all of us talents and abilities, and he expects that we will cultivate them to the best possible use so that we can be out in the service of our master. And that's, again, why whenever we have stewardship, we're constantly inviting everyone to participate. It's not just one or two people. It should be the entire church being missionaries for Christ. It, uh, uh, next paragraph is 61.2. And this seems kind of interesting. It says missionary operations are constantly embarrassed for one of workers of the right class of mind. Missionary operations are constantly embarrassed because there's not enough people of the right mind with devotion and piety that will correctly represent our faith. What does that say to you about the state of the church? And don't mention no names, but just the state of what you see personally. I think it kind of speaks to when they talk about the church of Leah. What is it? Leah Sadia. Yeah, that, you know, I think, you know, we've gotten to the point we content and where we're at. And God want, doesn't want us to get comfortable where we're at. He wants us to go out of our comfort zone because sometimes it takes us out of our comfort zone to go out there and to meet somebody who really, really wants to, wants to get closer with Christ but feels like the world has given up on them. And a good example was that this past week I got to go out with two elders and a deaconess. And I thought, you know, they have titles and stuff. They know what they're doing. But since I, you know, I, the, when, the per, when one of the elders asked me, she's like, well, what time you have to be at, you know, physical therapy, I mean, at, at water therapy? I said, well, since I got, you know, a few hours in the morning, I said, I'll come tomorrow. So I came and I still was looking like, you know, they going to know what they're doing. But, you know, we partnered up and when we started knocking on doors, I said, she was like, I was like, am I dressed okay and everything? She's like, you're fine. And we got to meet people and I got to, you know, and we got to talk to people. And I was like, we didn't spend hours like I thought, at, you know, we didn't go inside the houses. <coughs> Excuse me. Some people didn't have their electricity working. So they was out, you know, in front of their little area. But it was a small little area and it had, you know, some people who had handicapped, were physically handicapped. But they were so happy to hear someone coming and talk with them about Jesus. And they was just excited. And I was like, Lord, there are people out there that just want somebody to tell them that God loves them. Hmm. Amen. Amen. It was beautiful. Pastor, I'd like to um, encourage you because really titles doesn't make a difference. It's not the titles that changes hearts. It's the spirit of God that changes hearts. But it doesn't matter what we do or don't do. You know, if someone gives what we do a name, if they give it a name or if they don't give it a name. It's just matter have that connection with God. And you're able to see that people out there need what you have. I can't reach the people you can reach. I'll never reach those people, no matter what. And there may be people who, you know, I can reach that nobody else can reach. So he asked you exactly the way past, past he witnessed. And it's a perfect way for the people that you reach. Excellent point. Thank you, Sister Excellent point. As, that's really nice to hear that people are going out to do uh, missionary work, to do some outreach, because not everybody really tell the truth cares you know there are a lot of and i'm talking about people in the church of course there are a lot of people in church who don't really care to do any kind of missionary work and i'm not just talking about knocking on doors i'm talking about they just have no devotion to sharing the, the word of god they have no devotion or desire to see anybody else saved in god's kingdom and it says here on 61.1 um 
60, I'm sorry, 61.2, where it was talking about being the missionary work is embarrassed for lack of workers, it says because those who are united with them in church capacity or in our colleges do not feel the burden to labor with them, to open up before them the claims of God upon all their powers and do not pray with or for them. So they just don't care about spreading the gospel. I mean, that's just the truth. There are some people who could care less, really. And it says, those who have spiritual oversight of the church, the church leadership, uh, department heads, church leaders, should devise ways and means by which an opportunity may be given to every member of the church to act some part in God's work. That's why I was saying about every member evangelism. The folks in leadership have to recognize hey, we're, we don't have enough people going out. We don't have people interested in spreading the gospel. What can we do to help people get involved in spreading God's word? You know, and there well, are you different know, things Elder, you can do. Go ahead, Patsy. You know, Elder Carroll, I believe in that, but I believe, too, that oftentimes the church leadership, they only want the people that they've given the titles to to do certain things, mm -hmm. and if you don't have a title... They just kind of brush you off when you give, like if you want to give ideals or you want to just say, I think this would work. They don't want to hear that. They only want to hear from those that have the titles. And that's why I said, you know, what I said about, you know, I, I was just a common person going out there. And it often makes you understand that the common person sometimes is just out there, you know, witnessing on their own in, in a sense, because, you know, you, you don't have that, I want to say, that support that you have from the leaders because you don't have that kind of title as elder, deacon, uh, head usher, and all of this. You, it's just, and God used common people. So that's what I keep reminding myself. I said, when I'm passing out my tracks, I'm praying over it. And I usually, you know, sometimes I, you know, I get a chance to stop and just talk with someone. But this last experience, going door to door and actually standing there, you know, and even standing outside and sitting and talking to people, it was just an eye-opener for me, and it was definitely out of my comfort zone. Mm. Well, I'll say this, Patsy, the fact that you were out there in the week, the pastor didn't have to arrange it. Um, it's an uncommon person. There's nothing common. So we just have to, in a way, um, it's, it's sad if the pastors um, do that, like only limited to what the leaders of the church are going to do um, and don't use all the rest of the people. That's kind of like, that's, that's foolishness right there. That's foolishness. I mean, it's like the instead of you having uh, 10,000 men out there fighting against 20,000 people, you have 10 and think you're going to really go someplace with that. You can, if that's what God ordained. But I think that's really a very not so smart thing. And there's no such thing, in my opinion, of common people that just don't exist because we're all uncommon because we have accepted Christ and we have salvation and eternal life in our view. So that makes us very uncommon. He said narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. So common people is on the wide and broad way. It's a whole bunch of them. But the uncommon people, they're on that narrow pathway. So you did uncommon things today, this week. I, I thought about how you guys were going out. And it wasn't even a Sabbath. That was very interesting to me. How people actually did that. Hmm. It says God uses ordinary people. You don't have to have a title. Mm -mm. Don't have to have a fancy robe. The mm -hmm. spotlight don't have to be shining on you. When you think about the disciples, they were what people thought were common, ordinary people. They were just regular folk. Who else does God have to use but regular folk? That's all there are on this planet. <laughs> so there are no superhuman people that he can use. He's not using the angels. He's using us, human beings. Yeah, look at the disciples. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can't get more time. Right, and, and look at the the thing with that is, 
Do y'all know the disciples' names are on the 12 foundations of heaven? Isn't it? It's not heaven, earth. That's just so amazing to me that they, their names are on those foundations. Absolutely amazing. What a what an honor and a privilege. Yeah. What else were you gonna say? So we also want to remember too that God does not call the qualified, he qualifies the called. So if he's called you to do something, he'll give you the ability to do it. You know, everybody that God has called. You know, when we read about uh, Moses or Jonah or Ezekiel or Elijah or Gideon or whomever, when God called them, they was like, wait, you got the wrong person. You talking about me? I can't do that. But God qualified them to do what he asked them to do. All of God's biddings are enablings. When he asks you to do something, he's going to give you the ability to do it, even though you might not think so. Even though you might not feel like you've been trained properly, even though you might feel like you don't speak well or whatever, God has a reason and a purpose for each and every one of us. Some of us have this reason. Some of us have another reason. Some of us are able to reach this group of people or that person. God has a way of putting the right person in someone's path at the right time. So we Amen. don't have any degrees or nothing like that. We might have... Uh, we not, might not have a MD degree or a DD degree, but we have a GOD degree, and that's all we need, right? Amen. Um, Amen. Speaking about uh, what Lakita and Patsy were talking about, when you don't allow every member to be involved in witnessing and in missionary outreach, you're losing a whole lot of talent. You're losing a whole lot of soldiers. You're losing a whole lot of heart, uh, people that can bring in the harvest and bring in the sheaves. Why? Why would you do that? If you're building a building, you want as many people out there helping as you can get. So that's just foolish not to allow anybody to come and witness. And like the, the Lord says, whosoever will, let them come. Yep. There shouldn't be any barriers. You know, you should be happy anybody is willing to help, especially nowadays, because there's so many distractions that church members can say, oh, I would help, but I got this. Oh, I would help, but I got that. Oh, I would help, but. So if you have some people willing, willing to get out there and do God's will, willing workers can pretty much work miracles by God's grace. All you need is that devotion, the perseverance, and the uh, desire to serve the Lord. That's all that you need. And God will do the rest. Remember the song? Just take one step and he'll do the rest. That's all he's asking of us. Just take one step. I'll take care of the rest of it. Uh, I think the story comes to mind of the wedding feast. And when he said, go out and invite everyone. Just, just go out and see whoever, whoever will accept my invitation, come in, put on this robe. But the, the word was to go out and just, just everywhere. He's looking, he's not looking for any particular person. Just go out and whoever will accept the invitation to the wedding feast. That's right. That's what I think about. Whosoever will. Yeah. yeah and we're, we want to accept whoever's willing to spread the gospel and whoever wants to accept the gospel. Yeah, so don't ever feel like you uh, are not, don't ever feel like you're not up to par, so to speak, because when you're doing God's will, he brings you up to par. And it's uh, it's also a thing that we have to do, like uh, I have this little thing that says make time for prayer. We have to make time for soul winning. Doesn't that sound kind of strange? To make time for soul winning. Well, I think if you don't make it imperative and you make time for it, the devil will fill your day up. And after the end of the day, you won't have done and done anything. <laughs> so if you don't for, for the Lord. And so, and, and you know, people get caught up in doing, you know, well, don't go do this and don't go. Well, you know what? The devil will have you doing stuff that's constructive, 
that will help your home and help your job and all the all good stuff. So you can't really complain about what you've been doing. It's just you didn't make any time for him and any time for soul winning. So uh, I, I get I get upset when people you know call out the obvious stuff. Don't be complaining and don't be doing something wrong over here. And you ain't supposed to be over there. Yeah, those are those are given. I understand that. What about the stuff that you really need to do? You got to go to the store. You got to get your car washed. Whatever. You got to go get some gas. You got to work. Just don't get so caught up in the day-to-day life that you forget about your mission. And, and so when you talk about uh, making time, we do. We are very busy people. We're always running here and there. So you have to carve out some time out of your busy, productive day but still make that time for Christ. And um, yeah. I've found, you know, it's true about, start, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. All these things will be added to you when you first open your eyes in the morning. You know, begin your day with worship. And as you go through that day, you'd be amazed. God will send somebody in your path while you're at the car wash, while you stand in line at the store or whatever it is to witness to, even if it's, you know, uh, God bless you, uh, anything. You and, and always, that's why we carry those little tracks around in our pocketbooks or dashboards or whatever. You just never know. The Holy Spirit will, will send somebody in your path. Mm-hmm. Witness to. Nine appointments happen all the time, right? God has set them up. He set you up to be at this position at a certain time to just like uh philip and the ethiopian he was there at the right time to meet up with the ethiopian to do god's will so we too have to remember uh god sets things up uh lakita do you remember what you guys sister foley used to tell y'all about timeliness yeah so you know uh, i know i reported to her one time that we were late and she was like Oh, yeah, you know, the, when, when you guys say you're going to be back at a certain time, the Lord have already dispatched angels on that day and at that time, and they are there waiting for you. And they're not going to be there waiting until you decide to get there either. So, you know, he's, she says that um, he has prepared the people's hearts, and they're ready uh, for you to arrive at that time. So that's something we have to remember, too, that, you know, God is, when we make these plans, God is with us. He, you know, and he's sending the spirit of God to meet with the people by hold them up from their job so that you can come and say what you have to say to them. Yeah. So you just go ahead. I'm going to tell you a story that really kind of baffles me. Me and Karen was headed to the arch one Sunday afternoon just to take some pictures. And we had a idea of praying at the top of the city. That's kind of what we were going to go do. Before I left the house, a voice came to me and said, you're going to meet someone. I didn't know what that meant, but you're going to meet, you're going to meet some people. Or you're going to meet someone. And I really kind of thought about it for a little while and I put it out of my head. When I tell you God lines stuff up, we went down there, we found some parking, we went into the arch, we got our tickets, we played around, messed around, talked this, that, and the other. I never thought about it anymore. We go up to the top of the arch. We stay up there forever. Finally come down. We get something to eat or something. We head back to our cars, and we see some people in Keener Plaza uh, all dressed in white. And I was like, that's interesting because it's hot out here. Why would they be out here? That not knowing what they were doing, on our way to the car, you couldn't time it any better, Lee. As we're mm-hmm. walking to the car, a horse and carriage and horse and buggy pulls up. And this hus- this man and woman get out, all dressed in white, wedding gown, look like they're going to get married or they just came from a wedding. And I said, oh, congratulations, you all got married. And the man says, no, we're getting ready to get married right now. I said, oh, do you all have a photographer? And he said, well, no, actually, we don't. I said, well, would you mind if I take some pictures of you? He said, oh, that's great. Those were the people that God wanted us to meet. It was amazing when I think about all the stuff that we had done, I could not have timed it better to walk up on those people as those horses came right up. 
So they became friends of ours. We got to talking to them and stuff. And, you know, it's just amazing when God puts you across the path of people. You can't do anything to slow it down. You can't do anything to speed it up. When you walk up on that, that intersection is the time God wants you to do it. And he times that thing up. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Amen. It is amazing. Um, we talked in Sabbath school about in the fullness of time. When the time is right, that's when God's going to do what God's going to do. Not a second sooner, not a second later, nope. but right on time as he knows the best time for these for things to happen. Yeah, that's an excellent example. All of us probably have, have thought about, oh, man, I wonder why I met this person or I wonder why this person showed up, you know, because that's how God wanted it to work out. Exactly. You know, somebody comes, you don't even know this person, but they just show up and give you some encouraging words or something or or give you a few dollars to make it. And you're like, where'd this person come from? And we do have to be aware. Sometimes angels participate, you know, in, in our lives like that. So we have to be very careful. You know, God takes care of his people and he's always looking for ways to save another soul for his kingdom. And he might use you to do it. So let's always have in our hearts a desire and a devotion to see other souls saved in the kingdom. You know, I always laugh when I think about the uh, preacher was pointing out how some people are really selfish and they don't want to talk about Jesus because they want heaven for themselves. And he said their motto is uh, me and my wife, him and his wife, us four and no more. (laughs) So (laughs) nobody else going to get to heaven except us. You know, we're just going to be there by ourselves. So we want everybody, all of our family, all of our friends, all of our neighbors, all of our relatives, strangers that we meet, anybody who will accept Christ, we want to see them do it. And as it makes sense, how can a church be called the light of the world unless the members are actually imparting light? What if the members are dark, that went undercover? You know, I person asked a guy, he said, how come you, how come you never uh, speak about Jesus? How come you never tell anybody how the Lord has blessed you? Uh, and he said, he's a Christian, but he, he's in God's army, but he's a secret agent. Uh-uh. <laughs> right? Secret agent in God's army. Wow. No, we don't want any secret agents. No. We want everybody out there doing God's will. And again, those who are in leadership just have to wake up and say, you know what? Like, for example, I was looking at our previous pastor. He went overseas to do an evangelistic effort and saw some pictures. Man, there was a bunch of people getting baptized. You know, wouldn't you like to be involved in something like that where a bunch of people are being baptized? I know one is, is a blessing, no doubt about it. But it's just really nice to see a lot of people giving their lives to Christ. And so when you are not having those results here as a pastor, you got to be asking yourself some questions like, hey, what's going on? Are are we not evangelizing? Are we not devoted to God's uh, will? Are we not on one accord with his Holy Spirit? What's preventing our church from being active and soul winning? What's preventing our members from having a desire to see other souls saved in the kingdom. And that's the thing that those in charge, you know, need to be looking at. You can't just keep saying, oh, well, we didn't baptize anybody this year. And this is the fifth straight year. We haven't baptized anybody. Wouldn't you want to know what's going on? Amen. Yeah, you'd be like, something ain't right here. We haven't seen Nobody want to accept Christ? What's wrong? But, hey, that's the way it goes sometimes. Let's look over at uh, next subchapter. Select officers qualified to train. And it talks about great care should be exercised. Selecting officers for new churches should be men and women who are thoroughly converted, right? Sometimes we put people up in leadership positions, who's not ready for that. And it could Amen. Amen. 
Sound like we got a witness. I'm <laughs> loud there, ain't you, Patsy? There, <laughs> yes, yes, praise the Lord. I said, God knows the truth, yeah, God knows the truth. So, we need those who can minister both in word and in deed. We don't want to put up bad example because not only are the other church members looking but people outside the church are looking says the elders and those who have leading places in church should give more thought to their plans for conducting the work now this is my own pet peeve about sometime outreach efforts and it and it's just me you might have a different take on it from where your experience is but sometimes the people in charge, they don't even think about it. They don't have any plans. They just all of a sudden, I want to meet with everybody after church, you know, and then you meet thinking something's going on. And they say, we're going to go out, you know, after church today, and we're going to do this and that. And you can tell they haven't thought this through at all, you know, and it's just a wasted effort. And God wants us to do better. Of course, I know God can have the rocks cry out. I already know that. But he expects us to do things decently and in order and to use the abilities and, and uh, organizational skills that he's given us to plan for conducting the work so that everybody can have a part to act and that we can ap accomplish what we can according to our abilities. Go ahead. Patsy. I got a question, Elder Carroll. I don't understand why. Okay, now, of course, you know, we're, we're separate areas as far as our Adventist church. But I can remember doing an outreach at the tops with you guys. And I, I heard so many people criticizing. And I thought, well, what did we do wrong? And, you know, it, you know, it's just different people calling. Did you participate in this? And I was like, yeah. And they was like, well, you know, that's, that's not godly. And I thought, well, that's, you know, you show me in the Bible where it's not. But it's just like. You know, as churches, can, you know, if I see Northside doing something that's good, why can't I share it at the tops? If I see tops doing something good, why can't I share it at Berean? It's it's not about, you know, well, my my church should be lifted up. And I think sometimes we have pastors that, you know, take it personally. My church is, is and it can do this better than, and I'm like, why not just join together? What's good? Use what's good. It may work. You know, in your area, it may work in their area, too. But the whole point is to get to people that God needs them to, to understand who he is and what and what he's doing for them and to be able to, you know, to witness to people. It's not about my church is, is doing this better. Let's all get together and see what works for different areas. Oh, so now you're trying to act like the church needs to be unified. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of praying on that for Lakita. I'm praying. <laughs> no, you know, um, I don't know why we do that. I don't know. You know, I, I, the best thing I've heard was as well six churches, six locations, one church. And while we still act this, while we still do this, I mean, we can be, because it is six churches here, we can be a force to reckon with. And I think, you know, we're doing our backpack Sabbath. I think I'm going to um, try to approach all the churches in next year. Everybody do backpack. All the Seventh-day Adventist churches do backpack Sabbath on the same day. That makes it a citywide effort. You can be on the news. You know, you can be in the newspapers. You know, it would be something that the um, city would be would take a look at and stuff. Mm -hmm. And also a way for people to become more aware of who we of who we are and where we are and stuff. So but that that's something that I wanted to do this year. But I think we'll approach the churches and I get think we can do it through SLAM to um do that next year. And uh, my goal for for Tabernacle Praise is 600 book packs ne backpacks next year. It was 200 this year. So uh, then all the other churches can choose how many they're going to give and stuff. But I'm a, I'm with you. We could just be do so much more. Even if we like, I was thinking to myself, oh, you know what? We could ask. I just thought this that we could, you know, ask like Northside, what kind of you know activities they have coming up, like you know, and to give people, like when we give it out, give the stuff out, give them all the activities going on in the Adventist Church around the city so that they can have access to it. They may choose to come 
It doesn't have to be a, a, a tabernacle praise. Now, I can already hear the pushback I'll get on that one. But um, next year, this year may be a little bit soon, or we may be in general, no. but I know that next year we definitely can do that. We can do better. I, I completely agree. We can do that. And Lakita, you know who does a wonderful job with that? Barbara Wilson at the, uh, the what is it, the uh, Alton Church. I, mm -hmm. Even today, they want, you know, some of them were gone. And the elder told me, he said, what, what, he said, you got some information. I got up and the flyers that we gave out about our upcoming, at Northside, our upcoming uh, revival. And they let me read the dates. They let me read Northside's address. I, I, I think I even mentioned about Bereans starting their uh, revival tonight. I mean, doing sa uh, Sabbath today and, and they'll be, you know, uh, starting their revival. And I, I told them, I think it's Sunday, the next day is Sunday at 7, because I know Dr. Uh, Johnson said she was going to send out some flyers. But every time you go to Alton, when they say if there's information, you can pass it to Barbara, or they'll tell you, just come on up and inform us of what's going on, because I told them about the health fair that's coming up in Jennings. And those are some of the things we passed out uh with the, with uh with the, when we were walking and talking to people we left them information but you know it's kind of nice that even though they're in a whole different conference they still can participate over here on this side of the river yeah i was thinking too just as you said too well, we can invite all the uh, other conference the other conference um churches too you know they i don't know how many churches it is in the St. Louis area all together but i think they're part of slam right because uh, St. Louis area? Yeah. Yeah, because I, I don't know about Central, because Central SDA, I think they're in a different conference, yeah, but we go Central. down there and get our massages and stuff and everything. <laughs> yeah, but see, I'm saying um, we can have them participate in Backpack Sabbath. We can have everybody on oh, the okay. same day doing the same thing. It's a year out. And so, you know, you put it on your calendar and then everything works around it. It's annoying to me. They we put stuff on the calendar. It's been out there for like the whole since January. And then people come up at the last moment with some other thing happening that will affect whatever I'm doing. But that's beside the point. The thing is, is that's we can do it. It can be done. You know, Amen. Sure people are walking around on the moon. They're trying to figure out what's happening in Mars. They're hearing music from through Orion Belt. Couldn't we, as one Latino weenie city? Get the churches together on one day, 364 days ahead of time to give out backpacks. I mean, it's, it's not that difficult. No. And we talked in our, in our Sabbath school this morning about, in the Sabbath school lesson, about unity. And unity is a huge thing, you know, amongst the world, really. Human beings just have a problem working together. You know, for certain crises, people work together. For certain family issues, people come together, but to be consistently unified seems to be, uh, as uh, Karen had mentioned, one of the devil's tricks is to prevent people from becoming unified because everyone working together would be too strong. You know, such a strong force is like, uh, I remember the words to a song says, five fingers rolled into a fist stronger than the Pentagon, talking about unity. You know, when you have a unified effort, nothing can stop you. And another thing is, when nobody cares who gets the credit, you can accomplish great things. Amen. Now, let's end up with this because it says, uh, what we're just talking about is very essential that the members of the church become unselfish, which again, talking about unity, talking about working together, become devoted to the cause of God and become efficient workers for God. Unselfish, devoted, efficient workers for God. It's only through such a course the church can be prevented from becoming fruitless and dead. So if people are asking, why the church so dead? How come nobody joined the church? It's because the members have not become unselfish, devoted to God's cause, and efficient workers. So that's something that we all need to pray about something that we all need to uh, become more aware of and become more involved in because God expects it of us. You know, when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're saying to him, hey, I'm committed to accepting you and to spreading the gospel message to everybody I can possibly spread it to. 
So that's our duty and that's our work and to go where the Holy Spirit leads us. So let's continue to pray one for another, continue to ask God to help us to be uh, devoted, unselfish, efficient workers for God so that we can see many souls saved in God's kingdom. And we want as many stars in our crowns as we can get because that means we've been on the battlefield serving our Lord. Uh, before we go, I want to mention uh, the next two classes, the next two weekends, we won't be live streaming, but we've got a different Zoom ID. So if you have a pencil and paper handy or your phone notepad or whatever, then write down this Zoom ID, which we'll be using for the next two class periods because um, we won't be live streaming. But we'll still have the class. So continue to invite people to join us. And even the people who are online right now, uh, you can write down this Zoom ID and join us as well. Uh, the Zoom ID is 824-285-8337. That's 824-285-8337. And the passcode is 63033. 63033. So share that information with everyone and invite them to join us. Uh, this is very helpful information, very necessary information. And you know, the Lord gave us pro the prophetic word to prepare us for what's coming ahead. And who doesn't want to be prepared for what's coming down the pike or around the corner? You know, it's a blessing. So let's take advantage of it. Um, Brother Carol, will the tele will the telephone number be the same? The two five three. Uh, will that be the same, Karen, or different? Karen or Andre? I think it will be the same. Uh, let two. me check that, and uh, I'll have to let you know, Patsy. Okay. I would like to know as well because sometimes I'm on the phone, Patsy. I just text you what he uh just said though as far as the zoom part because the id and the uh password would be the same it's the phone number we're waiting on right no no the code the uh code is different too it was 63033 not 63138 okay so karen and andre's checking on the phone for it uh, we can close and out. Thank with, you, Sister Paula. Thank you so much. We can close out with a word of prayer while they're looking for the checking on the phone. Dear Lord, thank you so much for blessing us with the desire, Lord, devotion to do that will, the enthusiasm, and thank you for giving us energy to be about our Father's business. Bless each and every one of us to be a faithful lighthouse and witness for thee, servant of God and friend to man. In the blessed name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Mm -hmm.